What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Bread, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF and the Collective Experience. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and with us on the line for the third time in as many weeks. I really like to have this guy on. He's a knowledgeable guy and loves motocross. Dave Drakes, welcome back to the program. What's going on, Brad? Ready to talk to Moto, man. Absolutely. We're always talking moto when we got on here. Actually, before we uh, hit record on this, we were talking hockey, uh, which uh, is, a, is a conversation that I contribute to a little bit maybe more than you do. But um, nevertheless, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's like before we get into the motocross, and we're probably going to piss off a few people, it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, and even you yourself have been watching. Yeah, I've been kind of sticking into it. You know, it's, you know everyone's talking about the, the Vegas team and stuff, so... Anytime there's, you know, a bunch of newcomers with a lot of hype around them, you know, everyone seems to tune in because they're kind of an underdog, right? We all love an underdog story. So I've been keeping an eye out for it. You know, I'm a diehard motocross guy, but, you know, every once in a while, I like click on some soccer, some hockey, and uh, take a quick glance at it. Absolutely. And uh, it's no surprise that you, a guy who has built a business around shedding light on the privateers, would gravitate himself to a team like Vegas, uh, some upstarts, some misfits, as they've been called in the past. And uh, that that kind of is right in line with uh, the collective experience, which allows uh, fans uh, of all kinds um, that uh, love the sport of motocross to connect with uh, privateer athletes who give them an experience like no other. Exactly. Yeah, we're always rooting for the underdogs and the guys who uh, kind of hide in the shadow. So, but yeah, we we do just that. We we connect fans with their racing heroes and get them fully immersed in a day at the races. It's kind of uh, unlike anything offered. You're you're part of the team. You're hands on. You're uh, you're in the trenches with these guys, uh, reviewing videos, looking at race lines. You know, grabbing a radio. Um, really being a, a huge player in these riders day to day, and it helps you make some amazing connections. Uh, we've had several people who went on to be uh, full-time mechanics for some privateer riders and transition to satellite teams. And we've had people uh, get, you know, uh, gigs inside of, um, like, uh, like an Epic SAR, stuff like that. So, um, you know, being gear guys and, and just uh, good reps for this for this awesome sport of ours, um, it's, it's pretty cool to see the growth and really 
know that we're helping people kind of uh, follow their dreams and really get, get connected in this sport. It's something that, you know, is a little hard to do. So anytime we can kind of make it easier for people, we're all for it. And uh, a lot of uh, the good stuff that we do goes right back to the privateer teams and riders. So we're 70% of what we, what we make goes right back into the sport and helps support those underdogs. So we're really proud of that. And we just want to see the sport grow and uh, have our fan base grow with it. Absolutely. An experience like no other. Uh, there's more than a few uh, fans out there that have gotten the experience of uh, filming practice sessions, going over that footage with uh, the riders, and uh, a totally behind-the-scenes uh, experience that you can't get anywhere else. Uh, um, what I, One thing we haven't covered uh, through the collective experience with you is uh, what that might cost somebody. What's the, what's the going rate for... Uh, going behind the scenes with a guy like uh, Brandon Shar, who this last weekend collected his first top 10 overall. Yeah, we're really proud of Brandon. You know, he's uh, made some strides in the last couple of years, and I think he's really starting to gel with his new Yamaha. And, uh, yeah, uh, congrats to him, man. Kudos to him and his team on that top 10. It's not easy, and uh, it's great to see some guys move through the ranks like that. Um, for, for outdoors, we, uh, we kind of dropped the price a little bit and make it a little easier on our outdoor fans. So it's going for uh, 475 for a package right now. And remember that goes uh, a lot of that goes directly towards the rider, so we're not looking to you know line our pockets and be big leagues or anything. Uh, if it happens, cool. But you know our our main goal is to make sure we grow the sport and uh, grow the privateer team. So um, yeah, it, it's not not too expensive. Um, really gets you a, a an awesome day. You get tons of free swag, VIP passes. Um, again, you get you make those connections, and you're really part of the team for the day and 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 beyond. We stay in contact with you for. As, as long as you need anything that we can do to help out, we're, we're there. Um, so, yeah, if anyone has any questions or is interested, check out at the Collective EX on Instagram or the CollectiveXP.com. Drop us a line. We're more than happy to talk to you guys and uh, get you hooked up. There you go. And with that, let's, uh, after a few very nice segues by myself, I might not, my add, uh, as I fumble my words, uh, let's break over <laughs> the 2018 True Value Thunder Valley National 250 class up first, as they are in the motos, as well as on this podcast. Um, and uh, I guess uh, the conversation uh, begins and ends with your new points leader, Jeremy Martin. He's a two-time champ in this class. He's won, uh, he's won this national, I, I believe, uh, uh, after coming back from a, a second place overall from the, the previous weekend, um, he's been training at altitude. The guy's got speed, and uh, of of all the years he's winning his championships, uh, Jeremy Martin looks most confident this year. Why is that? I think he is just really, really liking that uh, that Honda. I mean, we've seen him kind of take a back seat the last year or so. I mean, he's always been up there in front for outdoors, uh, especially. But uh, I think he's he's really putting his head down and really uh, taking taking some time to kind of figure out his program a little bit and figure out what he needs to, to do to get back to his winning ways. Uh, I mean, you can see, man, that, that Honda looks way more competitive than it did in years past. I mean, he's not losing any time to these guys on starts, through corners, uh, up hills. It's just it, that thing is a, is a monster right now. Uh, I think it's really lending itself to, to keeping up with some of the more powerful bikes like, you know, the Yamaha hasn't been in the past. So, um, I think it's a combination of this bat, uh, determination and grit and just him finally, uh, just riding like we all know that, you know, Jeremy can ride. The guy's a, a, a absolute beast. You said it yourself, multiple, multiple winner of this series. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's good to see some, uh, some kind of mix up in the class too. It's, it's nice to see that, you know, as much as I'm, I'm an Osborne fan, it's nice to see that we're not just having one guy run away with this thing. We're having multiple winners. We're having the, uh, the points, uh, lead kind of swap up week to week and, 
um, great to see the guys who you know should be up front up front. Absolutely, and um, and and Jeremy Martin, no no stranger to the red plate. He's got that for the first time all year, and uh, nipping at his heels is uh, is Alex Martin, his brother, his older brother, who uh, led a lot of laps in the second moto. But uh, Jeremy was able to get him. Um, in 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 a lot of ways, when I look at uh, Alex Martin, I look at a guy who is ex- supremely talented. On his day, can win motos, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, at least most days finds himself uh, just a tick off as far as uh, the mental edge and the speed uh, that's necessary to consistently win these motos. And I think that uh, that's a mental edge that uh, his brother, his younger brother Jeremy has over him. Uh, yeah, you, you can kind of see it towards the, uh, towards the end of the moto too, you know. Um, I, think, I think Alex might, might let a little, the, the nerves get to him a little bit, might lose focus a little bit. Um, but yeah, Jeremy is just, he's laser focused, you know. Um, actually, my girlfriend was asking me about him a couple of days ago when we were watching the race live, and she's like, yeah, who is this, who's this Alex guy? You know, she normally hears about Jeremy, and, you know, what's this Alex guy all about? So it kind of shows you that he kind of flies a little under the radar, but, I mean, the guy's a tremendous talent. I mean, you know, he could he could stick and move with his brother, with, you know, at, at any moment. I think he just has to put a little bit more uh, in terms of just focus and putting his head down, that grit towards the end of the moto, um, picking some better lines, really not letting – the the commotion of what's going on around him kind of affect him just really ride his own race and keep putting those hard charging laps um you know in, in front of him so i think uh before too soon the way he's riding um i think we're going to see him get a win but um yeah he just has to get just a little bit more and i think he's uh i think he's there all right, we'll, we'll touch on Zach Osborne as we get off the podium here, but i uh, got to give a shout-out to uh, Justin Cooper. Uh, handed a little bit of a gift in the first moto. He, he did lead laps, had himself a great start, put himself in a position to be successful. Uh, but uh, upon the... Uh, the, the ex- engine of, uh, of Joey Savacci just quitting on him. Uh, he inherits lead with two laps to go, decent gap, and uh, he, he captures his very first uh, moto victory as a professional and uh, looked good doing it. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, we called it, what, last week, week before, when we saw the kid kind of have a few glimpses of brilliance uh, both Glenn and at Hangtown, and we only you know said it's only a matter of time before he uh, figures this, this game out and and nabs himself a win, and um, he did it in convincing fashion. Great start. Didn't seem to let um, Sabachi kind of rattle him any, or in any way. You know, you could obviously see Sabachi was kind of stalking him, and, you know, Sabachi being a seasoned rider kind of knew where to put his bike, what was going to happen, where he wanted to go. Made a brilliant pass um, on Cooper and, and um, kind of pulled away until, you know, his engine finally expired. So um, you hate to see that, but, I mean, I mean flip, you know, flip the coin over and being Justin's first uh, first win, I mean, hats off to a rookie that can come out and just, you know, pull a win off that quickly. You know, we haven't seen someone win that fast since Forkner, and that took him a little bit longer too. So, um, yeah, really, really good to see. I mean, the kid's, kid's riding like he's a seasoned pro, you know. He, he doesn't have that erratic nature. He's not making too many mistakes here and there. Looks like he might be getting just a tiny bit winded, but, you know, that, that kind of comes with more of experience and building your foundation more. So uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. Hopefully he can ride this wave and, and get some more podiums and battle for some more wins, and we can have one more guy that could potentially steal this thing. So um, I'm excited. For sure, and you're totally right. The second moto, um, 
I think the first moto was kind of all he had and uh, falls back to eighth in the second moto. But uh, a podium ride for him. His first, I wouldn't say I was the first legit podium, but the first one he had was in the mud. Uh, so uh, a, a total, uh, totally earned podium ride from him. And uh, I think he's got to be happy with it. Uh, moving forward, um, add a little bit of fitness to that uh, that formula and you've got yourself a pretty potent uh, challenger for a championship. Uh, good to see from uh, from Yamaha, who uh, is, is most likely going to see a couple of riders of theirs uh, graduate to the big bike class so for next year they'll uh, they'll have their share of uh, of guys that can twist the throttle yeah uh that's really a testament to the star racing team and the way they kind of bring these riders up through amateurs They're, they have an eye for talent um i think they're kind of uh surpassing what geico and and pro circuit are kind of putting out in terms of their scouting so uh, the last couple of guys they've had of really paid dividends. I mean, even Ferrandis, which everyone thought would be a, you know, a, a soft kind of pick and he kind of just lay in the cut a little bit and not really make too many waves. I mean, that guy was battling for wins in Supercross. So they really, they really know how to, how to find their gems and those guys that can, uh, that can deal to some good, uh, good finishes and have really good potential. I'm really curious to see who they're going to pick for next year. I mean, like you said, there's a few guys moving up and uh, I wonder who they're going to, who they're going to kind of try to nab and, uh, and get for their next pro roster in 2019 and beyond. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. Time will tell. And uh, that's the, the completion of the 250 podium. Um, I think that uh, these guys worked hard to get there and, uh, and they had themselves a great day who didn't have himself uh, a day you'd to write home about is, uh, is your, your 11th overall Zach Osborne came in with the points lead. He'd had a red plate throughout the entire 2018 season. He finally relinquishes it uh, after the third round of outdoors. Uh, looks, it was a, uh, uh, just a just a uh, just a down moto in the first moto, the fifth uh, fifth place, uh, not what he was looking for. Um, I'm not sure if uh, if Colorado's a track that really favors Zach, um, but uh, the second moto colliding with Joey Savacci on uh, his way to the first first corner, they go down. He dislocates his shoulder as soon as I saw that, as soon as I saw him grab for his shoulder. I'm like that thing's out, and I was actually impressed with how quickly he was able to get it back in, which kind of tells me that's a bit of a trick shoulder for him. Um, and, uh, and once that thing was in and he was composed, able to get back to 20th, he gets himself a point 11th overall. Um, it's, it's a, a day that he'd rather forget. And, uh, I think he's looking forward to two weeks off here. I do too. I mean, like I'll say it again, you know, being an Osborne fan, I felt pretty gutted. Um, the guy was really hustling the first moto and, uh, uncharacteristically, he made a couple of mistakes. Uh, kind of coming out of some of these corners with the longer ruts. And we're right. typically used to seeing this guy, I mean, handle everything, you know, perfectly. He's almost like Superman. You know, the guy could fall down and catch up right back to the front of the pack like that. So, um, yeah, to see him kind of falter and, and battle back there for, you know, looks like a top five was almost like a, uh, like a, like a chore for him. Like he really had to put a lot of work in. That was kind of odd to see where I'm guessing, like you said, might not be his track. I mean, I know he's kind of nursing, uh, you know, some few injuries he had in practice and, uh, like sore thumb, I think it is. Um, and then we saw, you know, second, uh, second moto, him go down with Savachi. Um, that was a huge bummer, a huge blow to the, to the momentum that he had, you know, carrying the red plate and, um, just some decent finishes uh, a few weeks prior. Um, yeah, the two weeks are going to serve him good. Hopefully, he can get some R and R and kind of you know rest those those few ailing uh, uh, problems of his. Um, but I like I like to see him come back out swinging. I want to see him really bring a fight to these guys and uh, not settle for a fifth and 
and uh, tighten things up again. I think, you know, I, I think he's 23 points down from the lead. So hopefully uh, we can tighten it up. He can kind of get a few over on Jeremy and, and start mixing it up again. Um, makes the season better for us. But yeah, it's just a, a day that I'm sure you'd rather forget. For sure, and, and one thing that kind of crosses my mind, obviously he, him going for uh, four titles in two years, nothing that's never been done uh, for a number of different reasons. Uh, James Stewart with his shoulder, uh, Trey Kennard happening in 2008 for Ryan Villapoto, and, um, and and basically uh, and Ricky Carmichael moving up to the 250 class in 1999 before getting his third outdoor championship uh, in 2000 and uh, or ni- yeah 1999 um, from uh, when he was on a 125. Um, this this is one of the reasons why that we've never seen this before. Injuries happen, and uh, I know Zach is looking forward to going 450s next year. Um, I wouldn't be the, the least bit surprised if uh, if there's an MRI on that shoulder. Uh, it's discussed what uh, what surgery looks like, and uh, if if that's a shoulder that's going to be giving Zach problems going forward, and he kind of hinted at it a little bit in one of the post race interviews I listened to that uh, if if the shoulder is something that needs to be fixed, and it uh, it would look like he would be back to together and putting and be able to to compete at uh, full capacity come supercross season i would not be the least bit surprised to see him go uh, uh end of season season ending surgery and come out swinging for the a- at a1 i know you'd be disappointed about that yeah uh it could be kind of uh, similar to what ac did you know take opting out of the series to kind of get some things fixed um you know, as much as like, you know, myself and I'm sure a bunch of other Osborne fans would be bummed, you got to think of long term as well. I mean, this guy's still got a, a lot of potential in him. He's, you know, he might be a little older than the rest of the 250 guys, um, but he's got, like you said, a 450 career coming up. And that's, you know, however many years, you know, you name it, um, we're seeing some of our guys start to go longer and longer. I mean, you know, look at Brayden. It could, it could be a, a while before Zach hangs his boots up. So, um, yeah, he's got time to really, um, to, to really recoup and, and, and make things better for the future. It's, uh, we've seen it time and time again when guys try to race on injuries over and over because they don't want to give it up, and it ends up just, just really hurting their finishes, hurting their chances of getting picked up for rides, and just makes the career just uh, that much more of an uphill battle. So, um, you know what, I, I wouldn't say I'd be angry at the guy if he did. Um, it, of course, you all want to see him out there racing and, and doing battle, but you got to think, you know, he's got a whole career in 450s. I'm sure it's a pretty sweet contract, too. You know, real cushy with a, with a bunch of money. Um, so if I was in his shoes, I'd honestly probably opt in to do that, especially if I saw, you know, in the next couple of races, I'm not really I'm not really finishing where I want to be. This thing is really holding me back, and there's really no point in being out there because I'm not getting wins. I'm not getting the points I need for a championship, and I'm just doing damage to this thing. I, I'd probably do the same. For sure. And, I, like, uh no press release yet, but uh, like like I said, would not be surprised. Um, so a little bit of surprise that uh, did exist out there, and uh, I think that uh, a pleasant one on his uh, his point of view. Jordan Smith uh, goes from being the back half of the uh, of the top ten to being uh, at the at the tail end of the top five. A four uh, four five moto scores matches the number that's on his plate, and uh, he ends up uh, in your fifth place spot overall. A much better day for Jordan, uh, who admittedly. Um, is, is still getting used to riding outdoors. Guy didn't ride outdoors at all last year. Never raced on a KTM. And uh, it's just a totally different way of racing. you got to open up your corners. Uh, there's ruts 
uh, the length of which you'd never find on a Supercross track. So uh, good for him to go uh, back into the top, top five. Edges out uh, one of the, the riders that was in a uh, points posi- uh, points leading position at the beginning of the day uh, in, in Aaron Plessinger. Uh, good day for Jordan Smith. Yeah, awesome day. Uh, we said it a couple of weeks ago, you know, that it's go time for Jordan. You know, he really couldn't afford to, to keep running in the back of the pack, you know, running with, um, with guys who really shouldn't be back there with, you know, in 10th and 9th and 11th and stuff like that. So um, I like to think that, you know, he heard us and he's listening to this, uh, to this podcast. So um, <laughs> hopefully, you know, we entice him to go a little faster. Um, it's, it's good to see him up there. Good to see the guys that you know can ride, that are naturally talented, up there battling it out and, and getting some good finishes. I mean, you know, he put his head down and he's, uh, like you said, he got, got one spot ahead of Plessinger, which, is, which, you know, he was the, the point, one of the points leaders. So, um, it's, it's good to see what what can what these guys can do with a little bit of confidence, a little bit of seat time, and uh, just just confidence overall in their program and their machine. It's um, there's no telling you know what could happen. I mean, it's it'd be a dream to see you know everybody out there on the gate with the with a ton of confidence, a ton of ton of belief in themselves under under great equipment that they're really familiar with. Um, I'm sure we'd see some incredible battles. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's really good to see a KTM up front. Um, good. Glad to see that Alex is the only one waving the orange flag up there, and uh, I think we should see this guy getting some um, some podiums and maybe a win pretty soon. It'd be it'd be great and add just more of the parity in this class. For sure, and, like, and parity is basically uh, the mantra of the 250 class right now. Any everywhere from Austin Forkner down to. Um, Sean Cantrell, you, they're separated by 11 positions, but as far as speed and lap times are concerned, almost a, uh, a mirror image. Uh, these guys have speed, and really it all it comes down to uh, who's getting the starts, who's staying up there, and, and who can link those laps together, because all of those guys have the potential to uh, to ride anywhere from uh, top five all the way back to, uh, honestly, as, back as, far, as far back as 15th. Exactly. Uh, the, the class is just so stacked right now. Everyone's going super fast. Um, it's, 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 like you said, it's, it's pretty incredible to see that the lap times are so similar that, you know, any one of these guys can, can sneak up there. I mean, all it takes is, like you said, a good start, putting your head down and just, you know, staying focused on your laps and, and keeping the battle up front. Um, that was, that's, that's really all it takes for these guys to kind of sneak in there and, and get some, some amazing finishes. Um, it's, being that this is a you know a 250 class and a lot of the guys are a little younger, still haven't kind of got their mental game down yet. So I think the more mature riders kind of do that a little bit easier. That's why you're seeing the Jeremy Martins and the Alex Martin and and Zach Osborne kind of leading the way and uh, Plessinger in that same regard. Um, but I uh, I I do think that once they kind of do figure it out, some of the younger guys, I think that we could really see some uh, some more shaking up and um, some some great racing from them. It's it's really one of the better years we have for the 250 class. I mean, it's anyone can win. It's it's just it's really really good to see that right now. For sure, and one rider we haven't yet uh, really mentioned much other than uh, his bike breaking on him, Joey Savacci uh, ends up having to exit the first moto after leading a good portion of it, and then uh, after uh, making a uh, an honest effort at trying to get the whole shot from the far, far outside, uh, he ends up uh, colliding with Zach Osborne, goes down, salvages a 12th, but uh, a, a nasty gulp of trash juice would have been better for uh, for 
Joey Savacci on a day where he ends up 17th overall uh, and heading into the break, really scratching his head as to uh, what what this looks what this summer's going to look like for him. Uh, the guy needs to turn things around. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'd be very very curious to know what, what kind of went in his motor and caused him to kind of DNF like that. It's, the guy has some amazing speed. Um, I thought this was finally, you know, his breakout weekend where he'd finally get the ball rolling, get some confidence in him, and and start nailing off some uh, some good finishes. Um, you could really you could really see the guy looks like a you know like an Eli Tomac up there. You know, as far as I'm concerned. And um, yeah, I just feel super gutty. You know, the whole team was uh, was just really disappointed with that one, and you know, nothing anyone could do. Um, but to be honest, I'm a little little surprised to see uh, you know one of the, one of these bikes kind of expire like that. It's it's starting to become you know a little bit less and less frequent. Um, but you know, we, this this wasn't a track where it demanded so much of your motor and and, and so much of the uh, of all the available power that these that these bikes produce. So um, if it was going to happen, it's definitely going to be this one. But uh, like I said, I'm I'm very curious to know like what happened with this one, and and uh, hopefully it's better weekends for Joey to to come. You know, he's, he's a tremendous talent. He can he can ride with the best of them, and I and I know it's uh, it's probably weighing on him to figure out you know what the heck is going on. Why am I not winning? You know why why is this why is this stuff happening to me and and you know what have you. So hopefully another couple of weeks this, this time off will serve him pretty well. As it, I'm sure it will Osborne, and uh, he can come back swinging and uh, ready to to come back up to the front. You know. Absolutely, uh, a guy who's won that race in, in the past. He was leading laps and uh, and and like and also showed some serious speed in qualifying. Uh, if not for a couple of mishaps, I think he has a completely different day. And and maybe that signs that he's able to turn things around after the break. Uh, and 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 honestly, I, th- I think that uh, Joey wants to at least finish this year on a solid note. I think uh, for sure, moving on to uh to a, a different at least a different team not not necessarily a different manufacturer for next year but uh he definitely has his sights set on the future but uh in the present taking care of things right now yeah exactly um i'm, I'm kind of curious as to what some of his more uh his training regiments are the more structured that he's doing mm-hmm. i know he trains with uh with ricky ricky quite a bit um which you know that guy's got a winning formula it's man it's 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 kind of jaw dropping to see that this guy has not put it together yet to to kind of come out there and, and be the dominator that you expect him to be. You know, he's got a great support system on arguably one of the better bikes. Um yeah, it's it's definitely tough to see. I wonder how he would do on a different bike, man. It'd be kinda of cool to see him switch it up to maybe an orange bike or something or maybe go to Geico and, and try his luck there. You know, it it'd be it'd be kinda of cool and and definitely, definitely mixing things up and be a, maybe a positive change for him. Change the scenery a little bit and kind of reset himself and, and reassert himself in the class. For sure, uh, and uh, and with that, I think that uh, like uh, the the last thing I wanted to touch on before uh, before walking out of here is the fact that. Um, Lorenzo, uh, Enzo Lopes, uh, a rookie, number 816 in your program, uh, riding for the uh, the JGR Suzuki team. He ends up edging out his teammate, Justin Hill, gets himself a, a 13th overall, which I believe is a career best. Yeah, congratulations to him. Um, I think we spoke about him a little little while ago in uh, one of the other pods, and um, it, it's definitely, definitely a, a, a great talent, great in the amateurs, and I think really going to do good on the JGR bike, really going to help them figure out uh, their outdoor program a little bit better. Um, hopefully he can kind of pull his toe up and, and kind of bring his teammate along with him, bring Justin Hill to the front where we know he should be. 
Um, but yeah, it's again great to see rookies like that making the, making their strides. You know, it's we're not seeing them, you know, winning yet, which you know that might be a little a little ways off, but still, nonetheless, progress is progress, and and to see the improvement each week is really good. Let you know that he's uh, taking it seriously, staying focused, and. Um, and really learning each week, which is all you can really ask for out of a rookie. Anything other than that is just, you know, icing on top of the cake. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's going well with the bike, and I'd be curious to see where he ends up by the end of the season once he gets a little bit more comfortable on the bike, more used to the pro scene, more used to racing these same guys, and tries to up his intensity. Um, you know, we, we could see another Forkner, another Cooper. I mean, you know, who knows? Uh, sky's the limit for, for a lot of these uh, these young guys, so... Again, hats off to him, and hopefully he can crack that top 10 pretty soon. Absolutely. And with that, let's head off to the commercial break. We'll be right back with Dave Drakes from the Collective Experience here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Listen to these commercials. Don't fast-forward through them. Then come on back as we talk about the 450s. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. In motorsports, the action pulls us in. And often, we never get close enough to the exhilaration and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available, nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action than the collective experience. Dave Drakes has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler Entickknapp, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, AJ Catanzaro, you need to check out the collective experience today. The collectivexp.com as well as the collective ex on Instagram is where you can find the collective experience. Do so immediately. The collective experience. Nobody gets you closer. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. What's up, guys? It's Bruce Cook here with Nitro Circus. We're coming to Kelowna, B.C., May 25th for the Next Level Tour, and I'm so stoked to see you there. The most action-packed event on the planet is back, bigger and crazier than ever before, with the largest ramps you've ever seen. Nitro Circus, the global youth entertainment phenomenon, returns to North America this year with the epic Next Level Tour. This spectacular brand new production, an all-moto adrenaline rush, will have death-defying tricks, jaw-dropping world's firsts, and absurd stunts. It all adds up to a thrilling show simply too big to fit indoors. The Next Level Tour launches mid-May, just in time for summer, and will visit over 10 cities across the continent through June. Brainchild of Travis Pastrana, global superstar, 
action sports icon, and Nitro Circus ringleader, the Next Level Tour features the best athletes in action sports taking on the biggest ramps in the world. The Nitro Circus design team has put it all on the line with this show, doubling down on the risk factor. The FMX Next Level Takeoff Ramp alone, a towering 15 feet above the show floor, a whopping 5 feet taller than any ramp toured before, will launch riders more than 60 feet into the sky. The landing ramp also looms large, standing 23 feet in height. The Nitro Circus Next Level Tour will include several athletes, including Bruce Cook, Jared McNeil, Jared Duffy, Blake, Bilko Williams, and many more. For more information, visit nitrocircus.com. Hey guys, it's Fly Racing's Justin Brayton, winner of the 2018 Daytona Supercross. You're listening to the Big MX Radio. And we're back, still on the line here with Dave Drakes. Didn't hang up on him in the two seconds it takes me to go from... Uh, before the the break to after the break, uh, it's uh, it's an editing process that uh, is is quite uh, uh, quite delicate, but uh, we make it work. Um, Dave, the four fifties, we've been talking about it for three weeks now. Not the deepest class in the world, but the reality is you got to talk about the riders that are in this championship and uh, and looking uh, to uh, to better themselves each and every week. Um, first thing that jumps off the page at me when I look at the results, not only is the number one uh, doing his thing at the front, but uh, the probably the least amount of deviation uh, from any. Uh, results that I've ever seen. A 1-1, one, one, a 2-2, two, two, a 4-4, four, four, a 7-7, seven, seven, an 8-8, eight, eight, and a, a 9-10 uh, in throughout the top 10. And then uh, Benny Bloss and uh, Justin Barsha swap out for uh, for, for finishes. Uh, pretty much, it was, it's safe to say that uh, all the riders spent the entire day battling with basically the exact same guy. And what that turned out to be was... Uh, Another 1-1 performance from Eli Tomac, but uh, uh, probably the best uh, Ken Roxon that we've seen in the last two years. Exactly. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy to see that. You know, we, we normally see a lot more mix-up, but um, just kind of goes to show you that these guys, they're, they're, they're robots pretty much. You know what I mean? They, they know how hard to push it. They know what they're doing out there. Um, it's, we're, I think we're a little bit more used to seeing some of the mix-ups that we see in the 250 class, you know, seeing a guy go 14-5 or, or something crazy like that for six, you know, somehow. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's pretty cool to see Eli on a tier right now. I mean, that guy is riding like a man possessed. And there's, people are talking about perfect season already and, and him going down the record books and, you know, X, Y, Z. And um, it, it's, it's kind of starting to look like that. I hate to, you know, jinx him or, or anything like that. But uh, uh, Eli cannot be denied, man. We've said it week in, week out. Um, he just has another gear for these guys. His lines are awesome. He's not letting the, you know, he's not getting too ahead of himself. He's not digging too far ahead. He's just really, really putting the work in and, uh, and doing his job to make sure that he's, uh, he's in the right place at the right time. Um, looking at Roxon, I and mean, the guy is really, really solid. It's awesome to see him back. Um, I'm sure fans are screaming for him around every every corner. Um, even you know, despite his his uh, his wrist issue, he's still out here looking very racy and still looking like he's a he's a problem for 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 Tomac. Um, even though when Tomac gets around him, he kind of does pull for the for the few laps or the first half of the half of the race. Um, Tomac's having to really work to get around Ken. Um, he, he's he's riding very well, riding confident. Um, I think he's just waiting for his, his wrist to heal until he, he has full range of motion, full mobility in that thing, and then we're going to see the guy really start to be a little bit more competitive. Um, it's, it shouldn't be too far here. 
And, um, yeah, I'm really, really, really pumped to see Ken back, uh, back to his uh, top three ways. And, and hopefully, you know, we can, we can see some mix-up in this class. For sure. And, and if that's the kind of speed that he's got uh, with some pain in that hand, uh, imagine how fast he could go uh, pain-free and uh, with a little bit more range of motion. Uh, obviously, uh, I think that uh, also a little bit of fitness comes into, th- into this side of things. Um, not to say that uh, Ken's out of shape whatsoever, but compared to the other guys that haven't had those setbacks, they've got that base that they've developed and uh, that currently uh, it just uh, doesn't seem like Ken has... Uh, the the full thirty two plus uh, thirty five plus two in him. He's got a strong twenty. He's got a strong twenty five. Uh, but after that, uh, a guy like Eli knows to uh, pull the trigger, and uh, once he makes that pass, uh, he's got it. And 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 Ken kind of uh, puts his guns down a little bit, and and takes home that second. Uh, he finds himself now in uh, fifth fifth in the points, fifty points back of uh, or. Uh, just over 50 points, 53 points adrift from uh, Eli Tomac, who is now uh, not only he's still the points leader, but uh, now holds a full moto lead over Marvin Muskan. Uh, um, he can he can now make a mistake and, uh, and not completely pay for it, uh, but uh, it doesn't seem like uh, it's going to be that kind of a summer for Eli Tomac. He's been good. It's six motos deep now, heading off to high point uh, with uh, with a perfect six for six. Not saying that uh, that's going to continue, but uh, it's it, it's going to take something special from somebody, or perhaps a mistake on his part, uh, for anyone to uh, to end up ahead of him at the end of the checkered flag flies. Exactly, and one thing that you know you can't let these guys get is confidence and momentum. Once momentum starts to roll in their favor, um, they're pretty unstoppable. You know, we've seen it with Ricky, with uh, with Dungey, with Zilipoto, with Stewart. I mean, once you get a guy who's Who's really naturally talented? They can really, really do damage to the to the to the pack. Once they get their ball rolling, man, it, it's it's really, really difficult to to derail them. So, um, you know, uh, I'd, it'd be cool to see Eli continue to keep um, keep that going a little bit. But you know, the the diehard racer and fan, and he wants to see some really good some good dog fights, some really good battles. Um, hopefully, you know, we could see Marvin kind of get up there, and make some make some noise, but. Um, yeah, in the meantime, it looks like we're just going to have to wait for Kenny to kind of, you know, get that arm um, rehabbed and just, just loosened up a little bit and, and uh, start to ride to his full potential, which I'm sure he's not quite at yet. And, um, you know, you can't talk about these guys without talking about Baggett, who, is, who went 3-3. You know, he's, he seems like he's starting to wake up and be that Baggett that we saw last year. So, you know, maybe that guy can come in and, and start to put a wheel in on Tomac and kind of get in his head a little bit and, and um, sort of stunt some of that progress he's making, you know, week in, week out. So um, be interesting to see how things fold up, uh, what the two weeks is going to do for, for some riders. I don't think it's going to hurt Eli, but I think it's going to do a lot better for the guys like, like your Tomac, or sorry, like your Roxanne um, or Barsha, those guys that, you know, I'm sure need a little bit more time on the bike and just a little bit more time to get comfortable. For sure. I, I, I totally agree. I think uh, Barsha or Baggett is, is right on the uh, on the cusp. Uh, Justin Barsha in all of this today or uh, yesterday or Saturday, I guess it was, uh, gets the, uh, the the shortest end of the stick having uh, having had a lead in the first moto or the first portion uh, the first uh, uh, first time they tried to run the first moto. 
red flag Moto as he's leading, uh, frustrating. And uh, on, like the one thing that uh, I noticed, uh, and the difference between Eli and Barsha in that moment is that uh, Barsha really let that get to him. Uh, obviously, he's leading. He wants to do well. Um, but uh, Justin wasn't able to compose himself to the point where he said, all right, that wasn't good, but I can do that again. Uh, I think he uh, caught himself just a, a little bit too wrapped up in uh, I got screwed on that one. Uh, that 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 sucks for me, sort of thing. And uh, and I think that resulted in him uh, having a, a a bit of an off day. The rest of the day ends up going uh, five six for sixth overall. And although still in in third in points, uh, is is almost fifty points adrift right now. But uh, probably a whole lot better than uh, he would have thought he would have been about a year ago. Yeah, exactly. We felt kind of bad for Barsha after that red flag, and um, it was really cool to see him up front and, and getting used to that Yamaha again, getting comfortable and, you know, being being the Barsha we saw a few years back in his battle with Dungey and sticking out wins and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, as a, as a fan of his, too, I felt kind of gutted for him. But, you know, things like this happen, and it's the champions that really, you know, shine in those moments when these guys just put their head down, you know, do what they did all over again and just stay focused on the task at hand. Well, um, you said it perfect. I think he just let himself get rattled, you know, did the whole poor me thing, kind of, kind of got a little, a little overexerted possibly, and kind of let that put a, put a damper on this day, which, you know, you, you really can't do. You, you, you gotta, you gotta continue to keep racing and, uh, and just put it out of your head. So, um, you know, hopefully he can, he can regroup a little bit, come back and, and start to pull out some pole shots again. You know, that bike is a, is a monster he's got underneath there. It's a rocket ship. So, He's got you know enough power to get out get out front. Uh, he's got enough talent to stay with uh, with Tomac and with Roxon, and he, he can really put it to these guys. I think uh, you know as far as fitness goes, hopefully he's got it in him. You know we, we've seen that he's he's pretty decent, but like a lot of these guys, you know, tend to kind of drop off towards the end. So um, hopefully we can turn that around and uh, we can we can get some more battles going. Absolutely, and uh, in your fourth place spot, an extremely quiet day for the 25 machine, and uh, a bit uh, of a of a head scratcher. Uh, throughout the season, he's gone uh, uh, second, second, uh, another second in the first moto at Glen Helen, a third, now a couple, a pair of fourths. Uh, Marvin Muscan is trending in the wrong direction if he wants to stay in this championship hunt. Now finds himself 20, uh, 27 points down. And uh, yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's a bit of it's twenty eight points down rather. Uh, it's a bit frustrating to to for him. I, I imagine it's, it's frustrating as a fan to watch uh, a guy who, uh, for all intents and purposes, should be the the number two guy in this championship. But uh, if if you're watching on race day, Ken Roxon seems more likely to uh, to challenge Eli Tomac for a win than Marvin right now. Yeah, which is which is you know pretty surprising for a lot of people. I mean, a, a lot of people are kind of thinking that um, Marvin Muskin would kind of run away with this thing. You know, a lot of his fans really um, really believed in him. A few of the um, few of the pre-shows, a lot of guys were talking about Mar- Marvin Muskin probably get, coming in here and taking this thing out from underneath Eli. And now we're seeing him just kind of almost like riding around and forth. You know, it doesn't really seem like, doesn't seem like he has the, uh, the, the aggression or that, or that upfront intensity that somebody like, you know, Barsha and Roxanne would be who are up front, you know, oftentimes getting a whole shot and running, you know, two, three, or even that first spot. So um, really surprising to see. I mean, you know, Luskin's a, a, an uber-talented guy. And the way he rides his motorcycle and just his line choice and the way he can kind of float around a lot of these bumps and, uh, and, and stuff like that, you know, he's, we, we kind of expect to see him up front. You know, he's like the next successor after, after Dungey. So um, you, you expect him to, to really be 
you know, first or second, and we did, we haven't seen him much, you know, since uh, what since Supercross really. He really hasn't poked his wheel in and, and made any noise. So to see him go four four, um, you know, at, at, in Colorado was just very very surprising. And you know, if, if we're talking about another guy like a Bloats or a Pike, four four is a great day, you know, or um, or another another uh, rider who's used to being in that middle of the pack, sort of. Um, but for a guy like Marvin Muskin, who you know is capable of, of winning titles and, and uh, dang near almost won a, a Supercross title, um, it's it's really really surprising. It's not where he should be. This guy should be upfront, winning races, and, and really uh, re- really living up to his expectation and, and and the role that he has within KTM. So hopefully, again, the two weeks does him good. You know, um, like like we're hoping it does a few other riders, and he can come out, uh, put his head down, stay focused, and and start to ride like we know he should. He should be up there getting those great starts. He should be up there uh, blocking Eli and, and putting a wheel in and, and, and making himself a, a presence in this class, which, you know, right now he's just not doing that. And it's, it's, it's sad to see, kind of. That it is. And uh, on the flip side of that, also on an orange machine, Benny Bloss gets his ver- very first top five overall finish. Uh, a 6-5 earns him that and uh, a career best. Uh, good starts for Benny so far this year. And uh, um, like uh, the best, the the best overall performance for his career. I think that uh, Benny Bloss has uh, officially arrived in the, t- in the 450 class 2018. Yeah, that guy is super talented. Awesome to see that, you know, he's continuing to make progress as well and um, really seems to be John well at that bike. I mean, I'd love to know how that guy throws that thing around as, as, as big and clunky as he is, you know. You, you almost feel like he's going to catch his leg in one of these ruts from, you know, because it's so long. Um, but, yeah, the guy is just – he's a worker, you know. You can tell every week he's just, he's just grinding it out, putting in his laps, training really hard and just – Doing, doing his best to chase these guys down, which is exactly what you need to do. Um, I think I think if he continues to make this progress and, um, and and do his job of just trying to latch onto these guys and follow them up to the front, you know, we could potentially see him sneaking a wheel in and getting another another top five and maybe fighting for a podium, uh, potentially filling in for where uh, you know Blake's place is right now in, in that in that two three four kind of spot. Um, so yeah, it's awesome to see. Hats off to him and. Hopefully, you can pull Nicoletti and Pike up there with them and, and make this battle even bigger. Absolutely. And speaking of those two, Nicoletti and Pike basically rounding out your uh, most talented and uh, highest, like your top contenders category uh, for this class. I, I feel like there's a huge. Um, talent and speed disparagement between the eighth place uh, finisher from this year or from, from, from this past weekend to the ninth. And not to say that uh, a ninth or a 10th overall isn't something to uh, shout from the mountaintops, but I truly feel like that, that right now is kind of like the Mendoza line of where uh, the, the, the real players uh, exist in this class, but a total hats off to, uh, three Yamaha riders who are going at completely privateer, one riding for TPJ, I believe, uh, the Jake Masterpool himself basically uh, running a, as a, a family-backed uh, um, rider, uh, obviously uh, brother of uh, the late Jesse Masterpool, who would probably be in his fourth professional season at this point, uh, having done battle with Adam Cianciarola for a number of years, uh, and of course also the bro- brother of, uh, I believe it's... The third brother, Ty Masterpool. Ty, 
Tom yeah, the guy's super sad. In the, uh, the Yamaha factory system. Uh, and sandwiched in there is a collective experience uh, stalwart, if you will, uh, in Brandon Shar, who, uh, yeah, like we're talking about three guys who ride privateer Yamahas going 9, 10, 11. And uh, I'm nothing but impressed with these guys consistently being up there and uh, and showing that it's no fluke. Those guys have been up there all, all, three, all three races so far. Exactly. Um, awesome to see some privateers breaking the top 10. It's not often we see that, um, you know, happen in, in, in our sport. We get so used to Supercross where, you know, it's, there's, you know, factory or, or, or some satellite supported guys all the way back to, you know, 15th spot, you know, if, if everyone's staying healthy. So um, really, really good to see uh, some, some mix up in the class a little bit and see that, you know, you can make a go at this thing if you, even if you aren't a factory guy. Um, I know it's, you know, even tougher for these guys, you know, who don't have as much support and, you know, you know, you don't have the factory motors and stuff like that. So to, to see a top 10 on a privateer effort really shows tremendous heart, tremendous talent, uh, something that definitely, sh- definitely should be applauded. Um, you know, like you said before, there is a, there is pretty big uh, speed gap, I guess you could say, between like that eighth and ninth, tenth spot. Um, where you start to see the lap times really take a drop off, and you know there's the the class is taking a hit in in terms of uh, in terms of the the depth and riders that are on the gate. Um, so you know despite that, it's it gives opportunities to to these riders like a, a Mirabin or a Shaw or a Masterpool uh, who can kind of use this to make a name for themselves and potentially get themselves a, a better ride for next year and more support um, and kind of grow their fan base and, and exposure. Um, hopefully we get to see some more some more privateers kind of sneaking up there and, and, and doing battle and really really happy to see uh, my guy Brendan Shaw up there you know the guy's a class act just super hard worker very humble guy um, kind of breaking that top 10 and, and putting his Yamaha up there hopefully um, there's a lot more of these to come and, and fans from all over can start to see that you know privateers are also um, really great competitors really great to watch and you know they're, they're, they're just as talented so um, yeah, hopefully this continues. We see this trend more, and hey, we can see some more uh, some more non Yamaha guys up there as well. Fair enough. Yeah, it, uh, it's uh, it's it's Merriman, it's Merriman, it's Shar, it's Masterpool. Uh, Alex, Alex or Alex Ray is on the the factory machine, but. Uh, um, Henry Miller out there on the Yamaha. A lot of guys. That, that's just a, a great adverb for Yamaha right there. Seeing how, how many uh, uh, production-based bikes can find their way uh, well inside the top twenty. Um, but yeah, like and the thing is, is that there there's always a line where the the factory-supported guys end, and uh, the reality is, is that the next. The next set of guys, you, you, you're basically you're gauging yourself of who's going to be the best of the rest, who's going to be the best of the guys that don't have that support, regardless of where that line is, uh, you want to be that guy, and that's Dylan Merriam, that's Brandon Shaw right now, as well as Jake Masterpool, who's been uh, ex- has been very uh, exciting in his basically two rookie performances, two 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 first nationals that he's participated in. Um, and and those, those, those three guys doing extremely well and consistently being the best of the rest. Exactly. I couldn't have put it better. Um, yeah, this, like I said before, this, this class, being that it's a little on, little on the thinner side, um, gives, gives great opportunity. And uh, I, I like how you put it, the, the best of the rest. Um, it's, it, it gives them, like, again, great exposure, great, seat, great amount of seat time. And they're kind of able to, to 
watch a lot of these a lot of these more factory riders uh, as they put their laps in. You know, for the for the you know maybe five to six laps where guys are kind of bunched together, they kind of have a little bit more of a of a view of you know the the pace it takes to run up front, the lines that these guys are taking, and that can kind of translate into you know them upping their speed or them kind of changing up their uh, their lines, their program a little bit to kind of mimic what the top guys are doing. So. Um, really awesome to see, and yeah, it, it does kind of seem like Yamaha is really, uh, really owning the privateer space right now. I think it just shows, you know, the the type of uh, uh, the, the privateer support, you know, which goes back to the type of amateur support and the way they just doing really, uh, really easy for privateers to just buy and kind of out of the box, you know, have that thing be competitive. So, um, you know, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe you and I can craft Yamaha and try to make a run at a, at a pro race. Certainly seems that uh, the recipe for success <laughs> definitely involves a blue bike. You have one, uh, although a little bit out of date compared to the ones that these guys are uh, are ripping on. But uh, nevertheless, uh, like I said, basically uh, uh, the best advertisement for Yamaha going is those guys uh, put the exactly. production machine well inside the top 10 or just outside in Jake Masterpool's case. Uh, in, in the case of the rest of the 450 class, uh, cool to see uh, Henry Miller come back, a solid 1916 uh, for 17th overall. Uh, Ryan Surratt comes out and races a 252 stroke to uh, a 24-25 uh, day. And uh, Robert Fitch Jr., who uh, is, is a guy that you I just noticed him pop up all over the place uh, with, with West Coast Supercross and an outdoor, and uh, um, I believe he's number four forty-five. He's uh, the funny thing about Robert is that he literally dresses himself head to toe like the uh, the the TLD um, like the Red Bull team, and, and that to me is just is is priceless because it's to see a guy who uh, like basically should just uh, completely go out on his own as far as his look and everything like that. He just dresses himself up like the the factory squad, not unlike myself, and uh, and goes out there and, and kills it. I think he's uh, a, a few years older than a lot of these racers too, so good to see him out there. Um, Bobby Piazza with a with a fine day, uh, and uh, just the ends and end of the uh, the top. Top twenty there. You have uh, Ben Lemay with a with a, another strong day. Shitty second moto, but uh, that's the way it goes. But uh, that's the 450 class right now. Not uh, we still got some top end talent up top. Maybe uh, maybe it falls off a little bit rather abruptly just on the outside of the top ten there. But uh, either way, it's been good racing so far. And if you're watching at home, you really don't like take notice of um of things being really really uh really shallow in other than the fact that you've got the same guys battling for the top four spots on a regular basis um like i would argue that the 250s uh maybe there's a little bit more uh like switching out of the that top spot but uh there's not too many people who are watching and being like uh like who's in eighth right now and uh and, and trying to see or like, like trying to figure out the battle for 12th position so uh, uh as far as entertainment was uh the 250s and the 450s have been fun to watch and uh it's fun to have you on to talk about them there big guy yeah yeah much appreciated yeah i mean you said it awesome you know the racing is still exciting um you know we're still on the edge of our seats watching both classes um, it's you know it's only until you take a, a peek back you know when you're live at the races and kind of see like oh you know it's didn't realize how many guys were out from the factory squads and, you know, oh, who's that guy? And, you know, like I said, eighth, ninth, there's a privateer sticking up. Um, but, it's, you know, as far as we're concerned at home, 
um, it's, it's still, still business as usual, still amazing racing. Um, still great to see a, a lot of, a lot of the riders that we're seeing kind of, you know, battle it out. So, um, I don't think we're, I don't think we're losing too much in that regard. Not at all. So, Dave Drake's always a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. I imagine that uh, in the two-week break, you'll be getting your some throttle therapy, uh, as will I. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on to, uh, to des- discuss uh, the sport of motocross uh, as far as uh, the AMA Pro Nationals are considered. And uh, let's do this again in two weeks' time. Sure, always, always a blast. Yeah, hopefully we can both get out there and uh, try to emulate Tomac as best we can without getting hurt too bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I'm on the uh, the practice only uh, program right now uh, on on weekends during the races, doing the live announcing at the local tracks. So uh, like a little bit less gate drops than I would prefer, but probably more throttle therapy by this date of last year than uh, years previous. And and that's all you can really ask for is just to have more seat time. Uh, more time behind the controls than you had the year previous, and uh, so far doing well. Hopefully, uh, same goes for you. Yes, sir. Yeah, I can never, can never be angry when you're behind some bars. So, um, yeah, it's 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 definitely going to be a, a cool two weeks, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can both get some good motos in. Right on, my friend. Uh, before I let you go, let people know where they can connect with the uh, the the collective experience. So uh, maybe if they're uh, they want to hang out with a top top ten four fifty guy like Brandon Shar, they can uh, can dial you up and uh, and for for a low low price of just over four hundred dollars, uh, five four seventy five for the uh, just shy of five hundred dollars, they can hang out with Brandon for the day at uh, at High Point. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, feel free to hit us up uh, at the Collective EX on Instagram. DM us. Send us the email at uh, contact at thecollectivexp.com or head straight to our site, which is thecollectivexp.com. We're more than happy to help you guys out, get you guys situated with a pro rider, and uh, start to uh, get you connected in the sport and uh, set you up with some really, really cool VIP opportunities. Awesome, man. As always, appreciate the time. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Cool, cool, man. Yeah, that's awesome.